Hi, I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this week on LGBTQ&A, I'm talking to Lena Bradford. We talked about her experience in New York City as a tour girl with Candace Kane, about where that New York City has gone, and about Fire Island, where Lena DJed for 10 years. She also talks about magic and spirituality and just listening to your gut. I think you're really going to fall in love with Lena like I did after this conversation. Now, if you like our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a comment. It is one of the biggest ways you can help our show. I also want to say that as a Jew, where is this going, right? No, as a Jew, like Lena and I both are, I want to quickly tell you about another podcast I love called Unorthodox. It is the official podcast of Tablet Magazine, and it's a weekly roundup of news of the Jews. If you're a Jew or just Jew curious, check it out. They cover news from Hollywood to Israel. They also cover good and bad Jews. An example of a good Jew is Gal Gadot, or me, or Jesus. And an example of a bad Jew is Ivanka Trump. They also have a guest each week. It's super fun. I highly recommend it. So that is Unorthodox, and they are available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And then as always, don't forget to check out our old home at AfterBuzz TV for all your favorite after-show discussions. All right, without further ado... Here's Lena. You were a big part of the kid club scene in the late 80s, early 90s. I've read a lot about it, but do you mind just telling, describing it, saying what sure. it was like? You know, and it's funny when people say, um, people who weren't there who say, that you said the club kid? Yeah. Is that what you said? There was a huge contingency of many different uh, facets during that time. And I think that the only thing that people talk about is the club kid thing, because I wasn't a club kid. Like, we were the couture kids, you know what I mean? And when I say that, we're like the, the couture girls were the girls who, we were the runway girls. So there were the runway children, there were the, the Ganzas, which were the houses, um, there were the club kids, and then you had kind of the, um, the, the, the shop girls, which were kind oh. of very... Um, jappy, yuppy looking, you know what I mean? So, so I'm probably using <clears throat> club kid incorrectly to mean everybody, right? No, yeah, yeah, no, 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 it was what, not everyone. So what, did you call it something at that time? No, no, no we were considered the runway girls. Oh, so, it was just life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, and we didn't really kind of, the only time that we ever like kind of overlapped was once in a blue moon at um, Limelight, which I never liked, I never liked Limelight. It was just always had this icky energy and that's where the club kids like lived at, you know? So the runway kids were like, we were, we were very fashion and we were, Sound Factory was our home, the original Sound Factory on 27th Street. Like you can't even imagine, like I have videos that we've been posting on my, um, my YouTube station that it's like, I still can't believe that I kept everything, but that's what you do when you're Jewish, you keep everything. Cause you want to be able to go back and say, here I go, I've got receipts, you know what I mean? And those moments and those times of like, just being so innovative and having this like close culture with your friends and your brothers and your sisters, you had these designers up in there looking at our looks and then seeing them on the runway. Like that's how it happened. And that's how I ended up starting to doing fashion shows for like Gautier and Blair and uh, Dolce and Cabana, you know, they would see me and my girlfriends doing runway and that's how me and Candace got started. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen those videos you're talking about, I think a lot from like Wickstock mm -hmm. or on your YouTube channel, but um, you're, the dancing is incredible. Well, we, Candace and I were both trained dancers. So when we met, it was literally one of those things where it's like, you are my sister. You know what I mean? It was just instant. So you're talking about Candace Kane. Mm -hmm. You met her back then. Yeah, we've known each other for years. Sisters to the clock. 
Wow. Back then, uh, were you called Girlina? Was that a I, stage name? You know what it was? My grandmother's best girlfriend's name was Galina. She was Russian Jew. And my grandmother gave me the name Girlina when I was four. So I had that name. And then when I grew up, get rid of the girl and Lena. You know, grandmothers are always the matriarch in the family, you know. And, you know, coming from a biracial, you know, Jewish family, they were anything but anal retentive. And my grandmother being, you know, the spiritual witch that she is, she helped me understand my spirituality. She helped me understand everything. She's been a part of the S&M contingency for the gay pie parade since the early 70s. And she still has a female and a male slave. I mean, she was taking me to 54 when I was 11, you know. So I've always, and we lived directly across the street from Carnegie Hall. So I was always around the arts and entertainment. So then being a dancer, and then also helping my mom and dad understand me from an age of four, they raised me as a little girl. And it was just like, when you have that instilled in you from such an early age, you already have this mentality of you know who you are. So therefore, no one can come for you. When you look and you are um, coddled over and you're not standing tall, you tend to be a target. But when you already know who you are, you bring everyone else to the meeting, even if they don't know who you are, even if they've never been around it and they don't aren't familiar with it, they're comfortable because you're comfortable. Yes. So I was always in grade school and junior high school and high school, the most popular person because one, being an only child, I loved people. I always threw the best parties and I was always super fashionable. So I had this way of bringing every group of people together from the circle jerks, which were the alternative crew, to, um, you know, the, the cheerleader, you know, every demographic was at my parties. So ironically, I would grow up to make a living out of hosting and, you know, DJing and all of these things. So you're doing the same thing. <laughs> that is amazing. So your grandmother spotted this in you at four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that And that's just such a wild experience to have somebody like that, to like identify it, it and, it and, and celebrate it, 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 it sounds it like. It really is. And I tell you, I, every day that I'm on this earth, I, I mean, I, I pray all the time. I mean, even when I'm walking, I'll just stop and I'll hold something. Because I know that I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed for everything that it is that I came from. And again, this is all before the internet. And it seems like the internet has been around for a long time just because of how quickly everyone seems to forget what we were doing before then. But it's not that long ago. The fact that I've been able to have such amazing longevity in my career for so long is like a testament to where I come from. You know, you the, the, the things that you're instilled in from a child and how you go out into the world is where you get it from at home, you know? So I cross my T's and I dot my I's and I'm grateful and blessed every day and that's why I love people and will never ever hear anything bad out of my mouth because people have got to go through what they've got to get through to get to where they've got to go. And you're only shooting them down and putting them further into the hole when you speak their language with anger. You know what I mean? So come with kindness on you. It'll come back to them. I think that's such a amazing story about your grandmother, just because most people think there's like a grand trans, um, a grand transition narrative in every like transition life. And for you, you're like, no, I'm a girl. <laughs> and also too, I also got from my, my grandmother is that I don't like labels, you know, I'll wear them, but I, I've never been comfortable with a label. Like I think that labels for people who don't want to do the homework and don't want to open their mind to speaking to someone like when, you know, when you meet someone, they're like, Oh, so what do you do? It's like, you don't want to get the song and the dance of the vibe of the energy of the person to find out where they're coming from before just getting that information. Because it, you could put in 
a box and say, okay, she's transgender, she's Jewish, she's, but I'm none of those things. I'm so much more diverse and dynamic than any of those little labels that you can pigeonhole me, you know, because for one, I've always felt that beauty doesn't have a sex. So I've dated, you know, men, women, uh, lesbian, trans, whatever. If you mentally stimulate me, that's the Jordache look. And that's how I work. With, with, with these labels, uh, like, for example, trans is like the go-to word, and that's only happened in my lifetime. Are we being less creative? Oh, completely. Because again, that, that pigeonholes you, and that gives it only a, a one depiction of what people think that is. It's like, honey, we're so skittles, taste the rainbow, you know, in every facet of this beautiful spectrum that we call the LGBTQ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It used to be so open to interpretation. And I feel like now, because we have to feel people, well, I don't, but people feel like they have to be so damn structured and so careful that you tiptoe. And it's just like, okay, yes, we do have a coddle generation because everything was given to them. But darling, I'm not going to candy coat anything. I'm going to do it with love and light and kindness, but I'm going to also give you hard love. And I'm going to let you know because, one, that's where I came from. And life isn't always that way, you know. And and, and, and the thing that I kind of find... Um, that, that baffles me is just seeing people of my generation just all of a sudden throw up their hands and just act like a millennial. I'm like, baby, don't you know that there's stuff that people cannot get from you that they can't get from a, a, a damn phone? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's only so much that you can get from the internet. If you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're coming from. Speak to the people who have been there before you, who have walked this life and done it, because there's a lot that's not out there. That you're not hearing and, and so and so where is that now like that era when you were out dancing with your runway girls runway girls right yeah, yeah. when you were out <laughs> dancing at the runway girls like where where does that exist today it exists when i do parties and i love that you know um i'm able to show people what it was that um we saw i saw and also catapulted to just where we are now you know um, so it's not like I'm living in a, a, a capsule because, I mean, that's just not how I live or, or how life is. But um, there's a when you come to my parties, you, you one, you feel the energy because everyone there is a part of me, whether I know them or not. I'm synonymous with my good energy and my light. Like, that's just who I am and where I come from. So if I'm doing a party, I want all the right elements there and good energy. <clears throat> and that comes with music. You know, it's not pots and pans. It's uplifting. It's beautiful. It's sexy. It's instruments. You know, it's all those things that, like, get into your soul. So even if you didn't know you had any soul, you're going to walk away with some soul. <laughs> well, I actually, I mean, you're a New Yorker. It's my New York friends who are kind of saying fuck you to gender in general. And they're the ones, the guys will go out with, like, their face beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I really look at my New York friends as like leading by example. Right. Because in LA, for me, doesn't exist as much. You know what's funny? I find that, um, I love that you brought this up because it's going to spiral into a good place. I have found that what I call LA, Lavagia. I used to call it Halasia when I didn't like it. But I, I, I call um, Lavagia to me, I find in the last four or five years has had this beautiful submergence of um, nuance, you know, when before I felt like it was just about industry, you know what I mean? Like, oh, what can you do for me? You know, I, I, you know, I, I wait tables, but I'm also an actor. You know what I mean? Like that was like the general tone of Halasia at the time. Now <clears throat> I just find it to be so creative. And again, that depends on what circle you're in. So, um, you go to all these little neighborhoods, you see what you used to see back in the East Village in New York of like, you know, posters on, you know, the wall, uh, on the walls, on the what they called the uh oh the street poles yeah, uh, street poles. yeah 
you don't see that anymore in New York. It's so damn cleaned up because it's like New York has become, the new New York has become like this, this haven for people who don't even know what New York or what edge is anymore. It's become very vapid and um, a playground for people, one, who only have residencies there for one time of the year. We pay the taxes on it. When New York used to be about people coming to contribute. So if you're an artist coming to New York nowadays, you're not promised to get your apple pie. You can't move to New York with $200 or $500 in your pocket anymore because you can't afford to live there. So then what do you got to do? You got to move all the way out to East Bumblefuck, then commute, and then guess what? It's still not promised to you. That's the one thing I find very disheartening about New York is that the artistry and the culture is being taken away. So if you move to New York, you don't know about the history because it's being taken away from you. Yeah. I find um, Lavagier to be a lot more creative. I really love it here. I'm so happy to hear that. Where, where does the name Lavagier come from? Did you make that up? Of course. I've had my own language ever since I came out of the womb. It's called Leanish. So there's Ishes, Enos, Etrix, and Edas. So your name is Jeffrey. Jeffrey Sheena. And there's also Sheena's. So um, uh, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. <laughs> you mentioned your grandma. Mm -hmm. You said she's a witch. Yeah. Can you ex um, speak more on that? Sure, sure. Just because um, we throw that word around a lot. No, 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 no of course. No, yeah, but I, I grew up Black Wicca, so I, I really um, got to understand my spirituality at a very early age. Um, and, you know, when, you, when you're young, it's like, you know, learning languages, all those things. You're like a sponge when you're a kid. So therefore, if you're, and mind you, we all come into this world with our spirituality. It's just whether or not we decide to tune into it or not, you know? And then some people get it later on in their life when they get to a place of not being so anal retentive and they're like, maybe um, they have a, a, a life-threatening situation that happens to them and then they find this new enlightenment and then find out the whole time that it was actually with them and they decided to like, you know, act upon it. Well, I, on the other hand, I came from that. So I knew what I was from an early age. So I knew that there were certain things that um, I could really excel at and then other things that um, I wanted to wait and get back to. That being said, when I started realizing a lot of the, the power that it was that I had, that my grandmother helped me understand, I got, I got, um, I wasn't ready for it. So some of it I stayed in tune with and then other parts of it like, um, uh, ESP, um, I could physically move things. I don't speak about this a lot, but they were um, overwhelming for me at that moment in my time, in my life, because of the things that I was um, experiencing and wanted to be very present for. And being in Aries, I am very concentrated on making certain that I do everything to its highest power. And, you know, at that moment and at that time, I was really strong into dance and I was just like you know what no that's not for me right now and my grandmother understood that and she helped me understand how to blanket it and you know to return to it later and that was one of the things that I I let sleep for a very long time where I know it's still there with me in certain parts of it but I, it would, it, there were other parts that I excelled on and I, 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 I answered that call to more than those other two things that I just mentioned to you. I see. Because seeing you in, in the flesh, in person, I see how your energy affects other people. Thank you. Is that something that you had to work for or does it come, just come naturally to you? It, it, it was per shared. It really was. And my grandmother, she helped me understand that like, because I would be like, God, why am I so... Why am I so in tuned and so strong and so intense? 
And I would hear this from people. Like when I remember when I was like super young and I would be like, I, would, I was dating guys and like, you're too intense. And like, when you look at me, I, I it's like they could take, but I was just like, you know, and I was coming at it with like this, my God, it's so wonderful to meet your energy. But for them, it was just like, it was too overwhelming. You know what I'm saying? And so then I felt I was like, wait a minute, I know I'm not broken. You know what I mean? But when you're young, even though you are spiritually evolved, and I was very, very evolved for my age, and I've always had that because I was always around people um, further in their um, their physical numbers um, on this planet. I was just like, you know what? I don't think that me necessarily being around people were quote unquote my age is the thing for me. So I then just put that energy around people who were further along in their spirituality and in their life. So then when I did that, then it became, it was still somewhat the same situation because I was just always hearing you're so intense, you're so intense. And I'm like, well, goddamn, sorry for you, you know? And I was always really good at being secure with myself. Like I was never one of those people who, who beat myself down because I always knew that I was supposed to be this way and that I was supposed to help people. And that for me, that relationship thing was not important at that time, you know? So if I wasn't in a relationship, I was celibate. And I was good that way. And also, too, you know, coming from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, you know, I saw a lot of my brothers and sisters and I was doing the fight. I was in ACT UP. I saw them losing their lives to just living a life. So I said to me, Lena, you work on doing all of these things that it is that you want to do. And obviously my career and just most, most importantly, myself. And all of those other things will come later on when you're ready for it. And they did. And here I am four years later with... I would say the love of my life, you know, if it was one of those moments in those times where obviously you, you never look for it, it just has to happen. I would gotten the chance to get all of the promiscuity out of my system when I was, you know, resident on the island for 10 years. Are you saying Fire Island? Fire Island, yeah. Was so amazing. So I got to relive all of that and create my own scenarios and it was everything. And so you finally met um, your current boyfriend, the love of your life, Claudio, and he was not afraid of your intensity. No, he was not. And also, too, like, um, he, and that's the thing, is that men, women, whatever, I've always been drawn to be. Like, that department has never, ever been stale. Like, and I know, like, my friends are like, Lena is a sorceress, honey. She'll get you. And she gives you that eye or that look. And it's like, you know, it's, especially when I'm spinning, like, my energy is all about everyone. You know what I mean? And I just have this way of, like, orchestrating a crowd and I know it's a gift and I live for it like it is a high for me and I don't know going into what it is that I'm going to do because everything I do is organic and I leave it as that and I literally after I come out of it and I you know then the next day see videos and see photos and like oh, well that's what's happened you know what I mean because I don't know like I literally like snatch from the body snatchers during that moment and I love that that's when I know that I'm like dialed in and giving you the best set and everything that Lena can give you. So you mentioned that you pray all the time, every day. You also mentioned Black Wicca and Judaism. I think for a lot of people, they would be confused at how those things add up. Okay, so for me, um, because again, being a person who doesn't uh, associate herself with labels, for me, I gravitate to things that speak to me. And therefore, I make it all a tossed salad. You know what I mean? So because I didn't come from a very strict Jewish background, it was just very at ease, like, if you want to come, you want to do this, blah, blah, do it. You know what I mean? So nothing was ever pushed down my throat. You and know? you were never forced to choose one. I was never forced to. So I would dip in and I would do each one of these things. So that's what spoke to me. And that's what Lena is. I'm a bit of everything. So it all works for me. 
Yeah. And uh, that's the only person it needs to work for, right? <laughs> exactly. And how I speak to people. And obviously, it's been working for me this long. So when you pray, can I ask who you pray to? Is it the universe? Is it exactly God? the universe. And um, it, 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 I don't like to give that being a label, uh, a gender. You know what I mean? I have a name that I call them that's for me. And then I have a structured, um, you have a structured settlement, and I need cash now. Call J-A-G-Y. Sorry, I always love to say I love a jingle. I love a jingle. <laughs> um, that it, um, a, a certain structured part of my prayer that is always the same. And then from there, it goes completely organic. And I bring all of the people that it is that I'm praying for, and all the people that it is that I don't know, and all of the places in the world that are having situations. That's what I do. It sounds like the way you practice your spirituality and put it into action is also by like spinning parties and like casting that spell. That's a very good analogy. Jeffrey, rock on. It, it just sounds like magical, magic what you do, honestly, like with... Uh, Thank you. I, I would say with the records, but I hear that you carry cart CDs around. Oh, yes, honey. I'm old. Gee, honey. It took me a long time to go from vinyl to CD, but after... You, you know, I need to each his own. I mean, anyone who's doing their thing homage, blessings, love, light to you. But for me personally, I wouldn't feel like I was spinning because I'm a visual person. I need to touch my shit and I need to feel it. You know what I mean? So for me, putting in whatever those little thing it is that they put in there, I, just looking at stuff that I, that doesn't, or a computer or whatever, like that wouldn't feel like work to me because then it also feels like you could have a whole playlist already set up and you're just pushing a button acting like you're spinning. No, honey, you know mother's working when you come and see my stuff, honey. If I'm flipping through those pages, honey, I'm about ready to serve you papers. Okay. <laughs> so are you carting CDs around the country? I, I have my, um, it, my, it's my case. It's a, it's, it's got wheels. It's a 800 CDs fit inside. Wow. So you, you last, you were telling me the last 10 days you've been in Miami and Atlanta and New York, now LA. You bring this case with you. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, the, the, the Monday I was shooting, I was filming something, so... There's a lot of times when I'm doing speaking engagements or I'm filming stuff where I'm not obviously having my music, but um, yeah, when I travel, my music is the first thing in my Yorkie and then my luggage gets checked, but the music comes on with me always. What did you think you'd be doing with your life? You grew up dancing, now you're DJing. I always knew that it would be in the arts and entertainment because that's just always what I was doing, you know? I mean, I've been dancing since the age of four, so and I was with companies and then I was modeling and um, then I was acting. So I was doing all of this stuff before I started DJing. And then I was hosting parties and um, performing. And then when I started DJing in 97, it, I, it was obviously a natural progression, but it was a dare. I never planned on DJing, you know? And you were mentioning that you DJed uh, for 10 years in Fire Island. Mm -hmm. uh, you were, I think, called the Queen of Fire Island. Yeah, that's what they, they anointed me. <laughs> um, I bring it up because you are a woman of color. And I think for a lot of people, they would be surprised that I tend to think of it as being very white and male. Well, you know, growing up biracial, I never saw color and I never have been looked at as color. Like, I remember the first time that I ever felt any type of um, prejudice was uh, one time when I had switched schools. My mom had moved co uh, companies and I remember just absolutely, you know, you take yourself out of the comfortable situation that is the blanket of, you know, your high school experience. It's like, what are you doing to me? You're killing me. You know what I mean? That type of scenario. But I also was far enough in my spirituality to know that this needs to happen for more reasons than one. And I'm glad that it did, even though at the time I had a little bit of a moment. But um, so when I, when I switched schools, it was the first time that I'd ever experienced prejudice. I mean, it was actually from Afro-American people. 
Um, and that was odd to me because, I mean, like when I would take, we have an annual family reunion every two years and half of our family lives in Lavagier and the other half is on the Eastern Seaboard in New York. Um, so when I took a girlfriend of mine to a family reunion, she's like, it's like a Benetton ad in here. I was like, I know. And that's how I grew up, you know, like my, my whole family's still mixed, you know, Caucasian, but you don't mix it, the whole nine, you know. Um, so I had relatives that looked like the, uh, the, the, the people who were trying to ostracize me and call me names like saying oh you think that you're better than us because you're light-skinned and you're mulatto they were using that word and you've got good hair I'm like what is good hair and what is like what, what do you mean like and because I was already so elevated in you know my spirituality and because I was always older people they're like well, you talk like an older person you know what I mean because where I had moved to so I was always really ahead of the game and I always knew how to like you know shut down a story and also break people um, down from where it was that they were coming from, but not breaking who they were, but just showing them that that's not how you speak to people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never, I'm not, I've never been an ugly or a shady person. It's just not in me. I know how to talk to people. And even, even at that moment, if they don't understand it, they're going to walk away being like, wow, she could have completely gone into me. But she gave me this lovely energy that kind of made me understand that, yeah, I was actually just doing what I was taught. And that this isn't me, you know what I mean? Because we don't come into this world being ugly. That's all taught, you know? We all come into this world being lovely and beautiful. So, of course, knowing that, I knew that that's where they were coming from. And I simply just said, you know, I have relatives that probably have the same shade as you. And this mentality that you speak of, I know nothing of. I don't think I'm better than anyone, sweetheart. We all sit on the toilet and shit and pay bills and nobody's bigger or better than anybody else. So we're going to leave it at that. To give you that story to going back into Fire Island, um, I was embraced right away. Um, it was uh, 2005. And at the time, I was before then, I was uh, doing uh, Saint-Tropez in Sardinia. So that was my summer experience. So I would be there. I was doing that residency for four years. So then when um, I got asked to do Fire Island, I was just like, oh my God, well, I Fire Island. And at the time, mind you, Fire Island was not what it was that I made it, okay? It was very desolate. Um, uh, there was new owners taking over. And, you know, a lot of people had pulled out because of just everything that was going on in the health situation. And after the morning parties, a lot of people sold their homes and it was very desolate out there. So there was a new owner. Um, Eric had come in and uh, Sean um, Patrick Ryan had asked me. And it was literally for one gig on a Saturday. And I said, you know what? There's a reason why I'm being asked to do this. I'll take the Pepsi challenge and I'll do it. Now, mind you, they had never had a high tea before. It was only ever just low tea. And uh, then at the pavilion, the original pavilion where I was that I was going to be spinning was just a cassette player that was ever playing that people could go into sometimes like finish their drinks and then go home and then maybe go out later in the evening after low tea. That's how it was when I got there. Now, mind you, I, of course, had been to Fire Island many a times back in Spanish. I started going out there since the 70s. And... You know, but then I hadn't been there for such a long time because of just where it was. And it was what you just spoke of then. But then they wanted to change around and they found me a part of being, being a part of that equation. So I said, you know what, listen, I can only just be me and do me. I'm, I'm not the type of person who's going to change myself uh, um, musically or physically for anything. I'm just, that's just not in my DNA. I'm going to come out. I'm going to do me. If it speaks to the people, then there you go. 
I did, and literally by the second week, there was a line down the boardwalk to get up into my party. And then after that, the party was called Lena's Lounge. And literally by the end, um, maybe about August, because season's from April to um, October. So by August, my first season, there was a hole in the middle of the dance floor from the people jumping up and down and screaming, Lena! It was insane. Like when you look back at videos and photos of that, I'm just like, God damn. And so then, Maybe after three weeks of doing that party on Saturday, it of course got bigger, and obviously I held down the residency of doing Saturdays, but then they asked me to do low tea. So then I would do low tea from uh, five to seven, run upstairs, do Lena's Lounge from seven to 10, then have dinner, and then they would do late night pavilion from, uh, 12, uh, from 11.30 to four. And mind you, morphing and giving them different visuals and beats. You're not going to get the same set, no. And they were like, well, goddamn, who's this bitch? You know what I'm saying? Like, I went in there like, what? You want it? I'm going to give it to you. Like, that's who I am. And so, different every week, too. And different every week. So for seven months of my life, that was my existence. So then I was on that side, which was right next door to where I finished my residency, which I finished for eight years because I was over there for two years. Then I stopped doing that side and there was a different owner. And then the owner who owned the place next door where I was doing my party, I then brought my party over there even huger. And that's where I finished off. And then after 10 years, I said, you know what? It's time to move on. I mean, first of all, I never signed up to be here for 10 years. I didn't even sign up to be here for one year. But it was just giving me so much, just mentally, spiritually, sexually, everything. I found my nuance of everything. That island is magical. It's not just about the party. And mind you, then... When I moved over to next door, I wasn't just doing Saturdays anymore. I then created Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So for eight years, I did four nights, seven months for eight years. And probably missed four days in that whole time. Wow. That's who I am. I have a lot of energy and I love any time that I can make people happy. And to see that sea of people, I mean, like, there'd be moments where I'd be stage diving off of my DJ booth and people crowd moving my body across and crowd surfing and then putting me back to... You can't imagine how magical this place was. And also, I just knew that people put me into the equation of their summer. I took that to the next level. So... That's why I only missed four, four, four uh, 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 times out of the eight years that I was there. Because I, I felt that. I said, like, God, I can't miss it. People, you know, they plan their weekends. They spend this money. You know what I mean? Like, that's who I am, you know? So, but also at the same time, it's like, I have to grow and I can't feel stagnated. And if I don't feel like my wings can, you know, soar and move, I'm not going to give you a dial down, water version of Lena. That's just not who I am. So I left. And I've always been that person. Like I, my, spiritual, my spirituality speaks to me. Those two cherubs that are on my shoulder have always guided me and told me when to leave and go and do the next thing. I trust it. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't. So I said, you know what? I told my agent, I'm not working. I'm not coming to Europe. I'm not doing anything. I stayed up in my townhouse, honey. And I sat in my Barbie room and I just let it speak to me. I would get up in the middle of the night and Claudia's like, you're going to the Barbie room. I was like, I'm going to the Barbie room. And I would just go in there and I would just start writing stuff. And I was like, what do you want to do right now? And then I just wrote down all the things that I had put off and that I didn't have time for because, you know, Fire Island was my baby, you know? And you can see, that's why you know about it now is because of what I did. And I'm not a, I'm a, I'm not a person who, who closed, but I also know my self-worth and I know what I've done. So I said, I looked at the things that I wrote, wrote down and I kept going back to talk show. 
and then I looked around and I was like, well, I've always wanted to do a talk show with my Barbies and I've always been known for having this sick Barbie collection because in any home that I ever had was always a Barbie. Well, I know this is the first time I've had an actual Barbie room. It's like my whole apartment was just Barbies everywhere, you know, and then I'd have the rest of them in storage. Yay. So now that I have, you know, a literally a whole room, which you've seen uh, for my Barbies, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. So then I reached out to people who I'd worked with on movies, key grip, lighting, producer, all that. And I said, listen, I have an idea that I want to put together. It's very raw, but this is somewhat the vibe that it is that I'm going with. And they're like, Lena, whatever you're thinking about, we would love to be a part of it. And I was like, all right. And I did it only just because it spoke to me inside. I had no plans on it going or doing anything. I didn't even care about that. And then there was word that, you know, I was doing this. And then I had certain publications and people reach out to me saying, is this true? And I'm like, yes, but I don't want to do it. So actually, my show could have gotten picked up from the get-go before I even released it. But I said, no, you know what? This has been a dream of mine ever since I've been playing with my Barbies and you know putting scenarios together with my girlfriends. I don't want this dream to be taken away and have find out what its feet are or any of those things with, before it even gets a chance to find out what it is by having somebody else take that dream over for me and orchestrate it their way. So I need to find it out on my own. And that's what I did. It was nice that people saw it like that. Yeah, it she's is. Gonna get a new, she's going to get a whole new life. It's so much fun. Although I have to let you go. Oh my God, see, I'm a talker. <laughs> An amazing one. This was fantastic. Thanks. You are like, um, um, uh, you're like a really good drug. You're like, you just feel like really at ease and loose with you. I like that. You're a good talker. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's our show. Big thanks to Lena for this. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rank us five stars, and leave a comment on iTunes. Leaving a comment is specifically one of the biggest ways you can help new people find our show. You can also stay up to date on all new episodes and live shows for our newsletter. That is at lgbtqpodcast.com. I also should mention that this summer I'm going to be doing AIDS Life Cycle, where I'll be cycling from San Francisco to Los Angeles to raise money for the life-saving services that the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and LA LGBT Center provides. If you want to or are able to contribute, I would absolutely love that, and every little bit counts. I have a page up at tofighthiv.org slash go to slash jeffmasters1. There's also a link in the show notes here on my Instagram, my Twitter. They're covered with it. Twitter is also a great way to recommend guests. I love hearing from you each week. I tweet from at jeffmasters1. The show tweets from at lgbtqpod. Special thanks to our partners at Panoply, our old home after Buzz TV, the Elon University in Los Angeles studio, Jason Kimmerty, and everyone for listening. We'll see you next week.